Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It's October, and there's a definite chill in the air. As a gentle reminder yesterday, yes, the windows were definitely frosty on the truck, took a little bit warmer, and the gloves came out. So it is October, partway through. It's a very thankful weekend. But as we know, there's a Christmas to the air. The geese are sounding ever so loudly. And in October, we listen to a poem. October. Days are getting shorter and the air a keener snap. Apples are a-droppin' onto Mother Nature's lap. The dusk, his mist, is rising over Martian fern, and in its plain as sunshine, winter's a-comin' on again. The turkeys are now struttin' round the old farmhouse once more. They are done with all their nestin', and their hatchin' days are over. Now the farmer's cuttin' fodder, for the silo towering high, and he's frettin' and complainin' cause the corn's a bit too dry. But the air is mighty peaceful, and the scene is good to see, and there's something in October that stirs deep inside of me. And I just can't help believin' in the guy above us tall, when everything is ripe for harvest, and the frost is back again. Welcome back, everyone. We're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. And as my fingers are sort of tingling, I'm looking through some of the seed books. Yes, we had our first inquiry this week. I was amazed. The question was, when do you get your seeds in? Yes, I know we all want some tucked into our stockings for maybe a little bit of a gifting for the holiday. But soon the seeds will be back. If you're wondering when they're all going to be arriving, uh, we generally sometimes get them mid-December, early January. So it tells me that the energy is there for more seeding. And yes, my seed book here for the the business is out. And I'm enticed by looking and I just kind of giggled and thought, hey, we haven't had a lot of tomato questions. But as I look through the book of offerings of tomato varieties, my mind and my sights also goes directly to Heirloom Rainbow Blend. I think it's the grab of the color combinations of yellows and reds and roses to oranges and the deep heirloom purples that are in there that just brings me to that autumn feel that is out there. Have you looked around? Have your trees started losing their leaves? It seemed like on Wednesday or Tuesday the leaves were just floating. Some of the trees are already bare of their leaves. So it is a little reminder that if you're wanting to do a little bit of uh, raking this weekend, yes, Thanksgiving weekend is a little sign that we can be out in our gardens doing a bit of cleanup and maybe not going full gun today because it is a little bit cooler and it is a Thanksgiving weekend that we should all be sort of be thankful for. But avid gardeners are sure to be in the garden and doing different things. So if you're looking for some inquiries or things to do before we get into uh, my collage of, of things to do in the garden for October, the lines are open, 
3315. Now, when I say, where do we begin? Do we begin with the soil, the garden, or the pruning? There's little tips for October's care of in the garden that we should be looking at. So first of all, cleaning out the garden is probably one of the things that we can start doing. And I know, lo and behold, my uh, spaghetti squash and my cucumbers and my uh, zucchini plants. Yes, they were hit by a little bit of frost. Maybe yours has been done too. But hidden beneath some of them, I left the leaves. And there's still a few. The zucchinis are not giving up. So a little trimming back, and I may be able to cultivate and sort of get a little bit more of a harvest, I think, by the end of this week. The temperatures look like they're going to be warm again. So have you started cleaning your garden up? Have you started moving things out and about? Because this is the time to get your harvest going. The last of the apples where Ruby and Violet and I were picking, yeah, a little bit of the frost got to them. And as I drove in today, the roundabout with the truck found some more apples on the ground. So we have to get out there and pick those ones up. Maybe they might not be as bruised. I'm thinking some apple crisp for Thanksgiving is coming on the plate. So do your harvesting. Pick what you can before if we do get a deep frost. We want to uh, value the fruits and the vegetables that we have that we can either do canning or preserving or freezing with. Once your cleaning up is done, there's a bounty of leaves that can be used, whether you're putting them into a compost or whether you're going to be saving them to bank them up for winter protection because that is a natural source of nature's way of preserving and protecting and insulating their plants beneath is the leaves along with the snow that we get because of the deep intense that's on it. But we'll see how it goes. So let's do our harvesting. Let's do the picking up. Let's get it ready because the next portion of it is once you have completed that task, the optimal thing to do is to care for the soil that's in your garden. We do this by adding, amending soil, tilling it up, getting the soil lifted so we get some new energy and some air into that ground that's on it. And there's a little bit of a benefit by lifting up and tilling. It's like helping nature with that frost heave that's out there. That's why we have that intense where if you're looking at the ground, it kind of gives itself a little bit of a bulge up. It gives the expansion. It allows new sort of air and properties to get into that ground to re-energize it. So helping it to go through it and giving it a little bit of a, uh, you may be one that's out there that says, okay, let's put the cultivator through the garden. Let's start adding some amendments to the soil. So if you're looking at adding and amending things to your garden, if you are in a very clay-based soil base and it's really heavy that's on it, you can add some peat moss to it. It's a perfect time to sort of share the workload. It's let's do a little bit now so that next spring we don't have to be as toiled as heavy with the heavy work. Let's leave for the lighter work for that. So if you're up to it, let's get some peat moss into the soil. It'll help to break it down, increase uh, sort of decrease the alkal, uh, make it a little bit more acidic, which is a bit, a little bit favorable in clay soils for a lot of plants to grow. Believe it or not, they like that slightly acidic soil better than being very high on the alkaline portion of it. We want to decrease the pH that's on there. There's another thing that's really kind of cool, uh, cool that's in there. 
is called Claybuster. It's gypsum based and it's going to help you to uh, break up the clay soils. And we are also thinking about our gardens as we're thinking about maybe all of our Thanksgiving meals that we're going to share with families and friends. We were just in the conversation of sort of cleaning up our gardens and taking action to how we can amend, supplement, or make our soil a little bit more improved for better growth. And our depending on where you are, I know that in the Winnipeg region that we're very clay-based, other areas may be a little bit more sandy, Brandon area, a little bit more sandy. Uh, I think out in the sandy lands, the word says itself, you're sandy out there as well. But there's measures that we can take now in the fall in order to be able to have lighter work to get things going. So I had mentioned Clay Buster earlier before, and Clay Buster is a gypsum base just to remind you that it has a composition that helps to break up the binding properties of our clay soil. You will see a difference, um, but it is an application that would probably be used probably spring that's in or, or late fall. You can put it in or do some amendments. There is a powder-based one, so it's perfect for when you're rototilling your gardens after you've cleaned it up. You've taken out some of those, yeah, the weeds that may may be there. You want to have it sort of as weed-free as you can that's on it. By by adding the clay buster, it's going to stay into the soil. It's going to help you have that position where it's a little bit lighter working. It's um, an added benefit for it. Now, it's also the times, too, that if you're wanting to look and do applications of sheep and um, steer manure, these also go, can be applied. I kind of think of it as if you're going to do the rotor tilling, treat it like a layers. Uh, it's like making a pizza. You know, put the clay buster down. That's your sauce. Put down some manure. That's your pepperoni. And then till everything at once. So it's all just sort of creating these layers so you're not having to do a one application till, another application and till. Try and do it all in sort of one layering where it's turning it all over. Now, when I turn my thoughts to this some of the things too were the benefits of turning your garden whether it's a vegetable garden in a large plot or if you're in some annual small annual areas or in perennial gardens the benefit of actually tilling this is yes to get the energy and more oxygen down to the roots when we're starting to see growth again but the added benefit is if you rotate rototill this and heave up some of the soil it causes a little bit more of, um, particularly for slugs, they right now are at the top. And what we want to do is try and get kill them off as much as we can. So letting a little bit more coolness deeper down will help to eliminate a little bit of that slug action or the snail action. So if you're in a warmer or a wetter site, that may be more beneficial for you to do that as you know, you're not going to get a rotor tiller right in there, but if you're lightly tining and taking the pitchfork and lifting and heaving some of those actions up, it could be a little bit of a, a remedy for some of those slugs if they have been causing you a little bit of havoc this year. Now, I am a true endorser of sea soil, which is a product that is rendering of compost and sea by our ocean fish byproducts. Yet, a lot of you might think, well, sea soil is going to be stinky. It's not. It's so good. I've actually used it. I think you've probably heard me before. I've actually used it as a test trial uh, a couple years ago now, probably three years ago now, that I actually grew herbs directly into this medium and it did phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So 
let's take care of our gardens. Let's do some rotor tilling. Let's get the action of getting maybe some bug treatment, eliminating the slugs. That's perfect for a remedy that's on there. Now, as we go through, we're going to go from the garden to the lawn. The lawn now, as we see, the leaves are going down. It's a perfect time that if you're going to use your lawnmower to go over top of things, you can actually um, use the blades of the lawnmower to chop up some of those leaves. Perfect for uh, composting. If you're raking them up or if you're making them into smaller bits to put into the compost, they'll decompose a little faster. Now, if you're doing the lawn, if you're, if you're cutting the lawn and you're not going to catch the, the thatchings of it, it's adding a little bit of a nutrient base back to your lawn and it gives you a little bit of more of a feed. But it's also the time for, let's have conversation on maybe uh, building up the growth that's on it. Are you going to put a little bit of uh, aeration that's in there? Or it's the time for application or top dress and seeding. Those are all the types of things that you may be, again, if you're not working in the in the soil, you may be more of a um, a lawn person. I kind of see it as, uh, I like the garden where my husband would like the lawn. So there's the, the traded joys of doing the work in the garden. Look at your lawn. If you're looking at it, it's a good application for putting it in. And you would say, well, why would I top dress and my, you know, top dress and seed my lawn now or in the the late fall if it's just going to sit there well fall seeding is really good farmers have been doing fall seeding for a long time and it works especially good for overseeding of lawns even right up to the point where the snow is just going to fly we see this also too for even laying uh, sod if you have a new property and your new landscaping, some of the conversation is, well, how late can I lay down sod? Well, you can lay down sod, and we kind of generally here in the landscape world say, well, if you can unroll it, you can lay it. So if you can unroll that roll of sod, perfect. It loves it. It's going to lock in nice, good uh, moisture that's already on there. You're going to get the snow cover. And the same theory is when it melts first thing in the spring, it's going to root in and you're going to have that beautiful lush lawn. The same thing applies when we're putting our grass seed down. Now, there's I'm going to mention two things about, or probably more, come on, let's be reasonable here, uh, is if you're laying down new seed, there is a tendency to say, well, I have to put down soil. If you put down some soil and some of the soils that we get still have some weed seed in it. So if you're going to add more soil, be cautious that you will probably get a little bit of weed seed growing that's in it. I like to say if I'm just going to top dress, I want a little bit of anchor of something that's in there. I'll do a little bit of a a light raking up. I love putting a down a fresh sort of lay of peat moss. And when I lay down peat moss, it's not like I'm making a cake and icing the whole lawn. I'm lightly raking in the bales of peat moss over top of my lawn and I overseed my seed on top of that so it anchors it in. And again, if it starts to, we get these cooler days and we get some moisture on it, you'll get some slow germination. But again, when the snow's on there, boom, in the spring, 
you will see the emergence of your grass and it's in the same aspect of it if you uh, seed it in the spring you have 21 days think of the mixture you have a mixture of probably three grass seed blends if you're using a general seeding mix you have your fescues your rice and your blue uh, kentucky blues but check and see also because if you're going to your garden center see if you have blended mixes for the position or the areas that you actually want to sow in there are blends that are general mixes they have a combination for if you just want to do your overseeding of your lawn which is a normal turf is generally a blended mix we have areas too where people want to sort of put that little bit softer grass that's in there that would be your Kentucky blues and we have blends that will actually grow just in shade so if your problematic is getting in the areas is a identify the area that you want to seed and match it with the type of seed that you want and you will have that you know a plus B yay is going to give you C which is proper growth and development that's on there it's kind of a, a fun little thing and overseeding uh, is one thing yes I was uh, out I'll tell you a little story I was out helping my son lay some sod the other day we laid a few pallets of sod in the evening and lo and behold as we lay down the sod I have a snapped a picture of my granddaughter laying on a piece of sod and as she said this feels so good and she's only three and if you can lay on a piece of sod in, in an open mud turf area and say this feels so good you can just see the tickling of the toes that are going to be coming for next spring laying on this grass it's the beauty of it now if you're looking at it and this is one thing too I should mention if you're in a new this is the landscape side of things if you're in a newer area there's a little hint that if you are in thinking that you need to get your sod down this fall remind yourself and think of where you're going to be putting your garden beds I'm getting you a little bit of a budget hit hint here if you are in a new property and you think okay I gotta get rid of all this mud I got a lace sod down think of where you want your existing beds to be and use some spray paint paint them out and only sod the areas that you want your sod in because you don't want to lay down the sod and then in a year or say oh no I want to cut out these beds it's easy enough to do it now and it will save you a little bit of budget that can take you to the next venture all right and everyone wants to cut a little bit of cost so maybe you're not putting so much sod down maybe you're gonna save it and put it into more flowers and that and create your beds and your designs for next time we're gonna go right to the lines uh, Richard is waiting hi Richard hi Hi, good morning. How can we help you on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Good morning. Uh, I was wanting to talk about... Hello? Uh, I, oh, I got my finger on the speaker. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. How now, can we help you? Uh, I want to talk about companion planting. Uh... I heard you talking about uh, butterflies uh, uh, causing problems with cabbage. Yeah, well, you and, have, yep. And uh, I read in my organic uh, garden book that uh, if you plant uh, 
lavender, or any strong smelling um, uh, flower, well, it'll uh, get rid of the butterflies. Oh, okay. I haven't I think, heard. Is that particularly just so. for the the cabbage butterflies? Uh, yeah, it uh, it uh, uh, discourages the butterflies to uh, stay around there. It doesn't okay. kill them. It doesn't kill them, but it just, it may, well, maybe if something was very strong smelling, it would probably deter something to be away from them. So I've, I've not heard of uh, lavender de- deterring butterflies, but if, if somebody has mentioned it, they may have worked for them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Richard, for giving us that tip. But I heard about uh, these apple claws on trees. Yes. I don't have problems. Uh, I just have to fall and uh, and the deer come along and clean out for me. Yeah. Well, with the apples, if the apples fall on the ground, there's more chances of an apple maggot overwintering in the ground. So, yeah. Thankfully, That's thankfully, it. the deer are eating up your apples so they don't stay on the ground too long and uh, cause a rotting effect that's on there. So that's. I think for a Thanksgiving weekend, that's uh, that's probably a very uh, generous thing to be for allowing that to happen. Yeah, deer and rabbits. Rabbits, too. Yeah, well, they share a lot of the animals that will be in there. They're just foraging, too. They're trying to build up some, some I guess, some extra weight to keep them through the winter because we don't know what the winter will give. But thank you, Richard, for your information on that. Okay. Okay. Bye, Richard. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal for Thanksgiving weekend, and there are targeted things that we can do in our yard, uh, but we're going to go right to the lines. I think we have uh, caller Walter's waiting. Hi, Walter. Hi. How are you? I'm very good. And where, I forgot to ask Richard where he's been calling from, but where are you calling from? Just from St. James here. Sunny St. James. Sunny St. James. Well, it, you know what? It looks like it's going to be a beautiful day today. I got one little question to ask you. Can I plant uh, sweet peas in the fall? Can you plant which ones? Sweet peas. Sweet peas for the flower. It's flowering sweet peas. Are you looking for the perennial variety or the annual variety? Uh-oh. There's two things. I, I, <laughs> you got me there. Okay. Well, you know you what? Sweet grow up. Nice, we paint different kind of flowers and everything in the spring, and, and I usually plant them in the spring, but I thought if I plant them in the fall, wouldn't they come up? Well, you know what? Most seeds, just in nature, seeds drop to the ground and then they rejuvenate themselves. But with, with being a sweet pea, I may be a little cautious because um, the word sweet pea in there, especially if they're the annual variety ones, uh, sometimes if you have, uh, I'd like to... I'd hate to say if you have any little critters like squirrels around you, they might like you for the Thanksgiving offering. <laughs> oh, you mean if they'll dig them out? They might dig them out, yes. <laughs> oh, well, if they, come, if they come to dig to my place, I give them a one-way ticket. Oh, 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 okay. Just so, you know what? Oh. Well, what I would probably do is if you have if you have some sweet peas, you could probably, uh, if you wanted to sort of do a test 
example, you could put uh, a percentage of your seed in the ground and see it, and make sure you clearly define the area where you put it. Oh yeah, I got lots seed. of seed, but I just thought, well, it doesn't matter. I thought I'd phone and ask you. I never talked to you before, so I thought I better take at least once to talk to you. Yes, and that's what you told me. That's what I'm going to do. Put some in. If it comes good, if it don't, I'll plant in the springtime. Yeah, and if you have a lot of seed, then that gives you that added bone. And the other thing is, think of it this way. If they do come up, then you know that with sweet peas that some will come faster and you could have a secondary planting, which is then gives you the benefit of an extended blooming period. Sure, sure. So that is, that's a win-win, right? Right, right, right. Right, that's a win-win. Okay, then. Okay, well, you have yeah, a happy... Have a very good day, and don't eat all the turkey. Leave some for next year, eh? <laughs> I have to... I will be sharing it amongst fa- uh, my family, so there will be many hands and many uh, good... Uh, well, you better buy a big turkey, then, or you got a big one. But Well, well, my mom... Uh, good morning, mom. My mom always hosts us, and she always is the best turkey cook around, so... Okay. Uh, it, many hands make a good meal. Okay. Okay. okay and uh, nice to talk to you, and you have yourself a very good day. And we'll, we'll, we'll try something, see what happens. If it works, I'll phone you, and sometimes I'll let you know. Well, if it works, you give us a call, okay? I sure will. Okay. Okay, thank, thank you, you well, very take... much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Now, this is a test of sort of, it's it starts the conversation, which is beautiful, because there are so many different scenarios within the gardening, and... What may work for me may not work for you, but there's other regimes and other experiences that are shared amongst all of us, right? We're putting our hands together and we're and we're expressing what has happened in tri- our trials and tribulations of gardening keep on going, and they keep on growing, right? It's all about the tests and the trials of what crops grow where, when how and the conversation sometimes also has to go to the um the sort of the, the bad side of it which is the, your bugs and your diseases but it all goes together right all right now let's look at we've looked at the lawn all right we've looked at helping our gardens with growing now i would like to say that you probably heard me say this before and it's a conversation right now that's a repeat conversation that we have at our garden centers or your garden centers that you're visiting is when is the best time to plant a tree. And I will say it again. There's an old saying that the best time was probably 20 to 30 years ago, but the other time is fall planting. Fall planting, it's still time that uh, you can get some tulips in the ground. You can do the alliums. Oh my, if you want to see an allium garden, find us on our Facebook page. And there is a lady that shared a picture of her alliums in the garden. Interspersed between small shrubs and perennials. And she truly endorsed that the deer didn't like to come in it. The deer don't like the allium, but it is a truly show of color in the lavender to white to deep purple. So if you're thinking of planting something tulips and allium and don't forget the garlic there's garlic that can be planted right now too as well so if you after you've done that row of cultivating your vegetable garden getting it amended there are some crops too that you can get in the ground to get it growing sooner 
So those are a welcoming thing that's added. And there's such a selection of garlics. Whether you're looking for some varieties that are smaller cloved and powerful, tasty, zesty, hot, or some of the descriptive words that you can put into it, or the larger the clove, I find that they have the more gentler or softer tasting. Just remember the elephant garlics. You'll have to find elephant garlics. The cloves are so big, but they're very mild and tasty. And have you know that uh, in some of the culinary aspects, if you wanted, if you get a lot of garlic, the best way that we like to do it, and my daughter totally does this, is she takes some of the pe- uh, papery feel on the outside off. She wraps it in tin foil. She bakes it, and lo and behold, when you bring it out, you slice and you give it a squeeze, and you get the best tasting cooked garlic that's out there. Mm. Hey, we're thinking about Thanksgiving. We're thinking about the bounty and the rewards, and we are going to be celebrating with a little bit of that on our table tables this weekend. All right, call to action for you right now is I'm going to talk about your trees. It's a little bit too late to do the tree banding. So if you forgot to get the banding on your trees uh, with the banding and the sticky paste that's on it, um, you know, if you get it on now, you'll maybe catch the insects in the spring. But if you had a heavy frost, you're probably a little too late on getting that on there. So the preventative measures then for you is if the leaves have fallen off and you are wanting to help to eliminate uh, bugs and diseases, Your dormant oil lime sulfur spray kits should be coming out pretty soon. It's applied after the leaves are gone. And yes, I'm looking around here and out my window. There are some trees that are completely gone of leaves. And there are still some that are holding on to those rich oranges and some of those dark reds. Your ash trees are probably the first ones that have that frost. The Manchurians ashes, they're beauty of sort of raking up the leaves is once they were affected by frost it's like a boom the leaves all drop so you can do a quick cleanup of those but I like the richness and color tones of those other ones that hang on a little bit longer the other call to action for your trees and some of your shrubs and your cedars or some of your evergreens for your deciduous trees particularly your smaller ones, particularly your cherries and your apples. Make sure you start to think about coloring your trunks. Uh, This year, uh, if you're doing a little bit of a cleanup, you want to defer and sort of do as much cleanup as you can in areas that means uh, removing leaves from around bases of trees and around shrubs because those are natural habitats for some of your voles and some of your mice. You want to clean up those areas. And the reason for collaring your cherries, your trees, your apples, and that kind of stuff is not only do some of the deer will eat them, but the mice and the rabbits will have a little bit of a... It's kind of that feast theme right now, and I'm trying to give you the preventative measures. Collar up your trees. They're a, it's an inexpensive way Either you can get a plastic spiral one or you can get a corrugated tubing one which is slightly larger for larger trees. But it is a beneficial factor that you can put on it because it is so disheartening if you go out in next spring and you find that a little bit of nibbling has occurred on your trees. 
a little bit of nibbling, okay. But in some instances, we have seen that complete girdling around the trees where the cambium of the bark has been completely eaten. Uh, that we do not want. We want to save our trees. Our trees are so important right now. They shade us. They shelter us. They give us clean air. They give us wind breaks. They give us fruit. They give us fun. And look at they give us color. We want to take care of the trees around us. Now, if we flip and go to your evergreens or uh, your cedar plants that are there, remember, I have endorsed it over and over again. Do not put the hose away yet. If the ground is dry, we want to make sure that we're keeping up with the watering and putting some moisture into the ground, especially around foundations. Around your house is your foundation and foundations stay warmer. So we want to make sure and assure that there's enough moisture around the foundation that locks those plants in. Now a little bit of a tip that's in there too for your cedars is we know that the ground is warm. Just think of those plantings that can go into the ground. Their roots are nestled into that nice warm ground. But soon it will get cold and soon the the soils and the grounds around us will ice up. So the hint is, if you are preparing to protect your cedars from winter winds and that desiccating factor, which causes them to go that rusty orange factor, then what we want to do is get the stakes in the ground early. Yep. You're going to pound those wooden stakes into the ground, usually three, usually four. Take the stakes three or four inches away from the outer tips of your shrubs or particularly cedars that's on it and get them into the ground. Burlap is works really well for this, but you do not want to put the burlap on when our temperatures are in the higher temps. Because just think of it, it's 20 degrees next week. We put our stakes in the ground, we're wrapping them because we think that we can get this work done sooner, but we've just created a nice blanket on top of them and it's confusing them. It's saying, well, I think we're supposed to get cooling down. Am I supposed to go into dormancy or I'm warming up again? What do I do? I open my pores and I start thinking about that. So stakes in the ground first. And you may have to do a little bit of wrapping of the burlap a little bit later when we're cold. So yeah, it might be a little uh, hand stapler and some gloves on there, but it is a win-win. That is when it should be done, not previously. Now, before we go into the next sort of thing, here's a reminder, your maples and your birch trees. Start thinking about when you're going to prune those because they are to be done in the fall, not in the spring because they are heavy sap movers in the spring. So you want to do your maples, your birch in the fall. Do they need to be pruned? Remember we talked about when they had their leaves on, we would have marked those branches that needed to be removed. That would be the point that we want to go through. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. I am thankful for you. And on this out, I want to read this little poem. It's called Garden Meditation. Let us give thanks for the bounty of people, for children who are second planting, and though they grow like weeds and the wind too soon blows them away, may they forgive us our cultivation and fondly remember where their roots are. 
Let us give thanks for the generous friends with hearts and smiles as bright as their blossoms, for feisty friends as tart as apples, for continuous friends who, like scallions and cucumbers, keep reminding us that we've had them, for crotchety friends sour as rhubarb and indestructible, for handsome friends who are as gorgeous as eggplants and as elegant as a row of corn, and the others as plain as potatoes and so good for you, for funny friends who are as silly as Brussels sprouts and as musing as Jerusalem artichokes, and serious friends as unpretentious as cabbages, as subtle as summer squash, and as persistent as parsley, as delightful as dill, as endless as zucchini, and who, like parsnips, can be counted on to see you through the winter. For old friends, nodding like sunflowers in the evening time, and young friends, coming on as fast as radishes. For loving friends who wind around us like tendrils and hold us despite our blights, wilts, and witherings. And finally, for those friends now gone, like gardens past they have been harvested, but who have fed us in their times that they might have life thereafter. For all these, we give thanks. Thank you for listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.